Hello, this is Gary McIntyre. Welcome to another episode of Digital DBC. This is our next episode on why DBC does what it does. And today I'm with David Harris and Alan Tolliver, who they do things at this church. And I'll let them kind of explain a little bit more detail what it is they do. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about where does the money go? So David, a little while back, uh, didn't you have a conversation with one of your Sunday school classes or something because they were asking this kind of question? Yes, Gary, we were having a, a conversation in our Sunday school class about tithing from a biblical perspective, and almost immediately the questions went to, well, if we do tithe, where does the money go? So exactly. And um, we had a great two, two sessions, two, two classes worth of discussion about that. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a great conversation to get some of the, um, you know, some of the, real, the real information out there. So that brings up the question then, David, where does the money go? Sure. Thank you, Gary. Um, let's let's it goes to a lot of places, but let's start with um, let's start. Our church is a, is a mission oriented church, so a significant portion of our contributions go straight to missions, and it's it's you can call it seventeen twenty percent right off the bat, and so and that's important for our overall for our church. You know, love God, love people, make disciples, make a difference, and so that's a big chunk of where our money goes. Um, our money also goes to. Um, uh, to fund things around the church that you see. So, the, you know, the worship uh, that you see, the, the music. Uh, we, we have a whole unit music and worship ministry that, and, a, and a soundboard and, and all of that, which is um, a big part of our worship each day um, uh, or each Sunday and on Wednesday nights and, and everything else that we do at this church. Uh, we also have, you know, we, we provide seminary scholarships, and that is also through missions. We, we um, provide pastoral care for all of the members of our church and, you know, from, from, from the babies to the senior, senior adults, um, children and youth and child care and, and all of that. The other, I'd say a few other things, um, we do have, uh, we have to keep this campus going. And so we have a lot of facilities that we have to support. And so um, we, we've, we're, we're always planning for the future and planning for and doing preventive maintenance and things like that to make sure that you know, we can, that this infrastructure can support this church. A church is not the building, but the building is an important part of the way we reach out to, to our community. Right. Now, Alan, you've been here how long? First of all, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. My name is Alan Tolliver. I have the pleasure of serving as the executive pastor here at DBC. And I I get so many people teasing me about what my job title is and what I actually do all day. But I think the short answer is that I am responsible for the staff and the facilities and the operation of the church so that she is prepared to fulfill her mission. So you get to see money spent in a wide variety of ways. Yeah, in fact, I spend the money. David's job's to keep track of it. <laughs> nice. Well, that is quite the combination. Speaking of you, David, we never did actually get into who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm uh, the church administrator, and I oversee the financials first and foremost. I partner with Alan on, on human resources topics and things like that with the staff and also partner with the, the entire, with Alan and the entire, I'd say the facilities team uh, that we, we work, you know, on all the facilities projects and things. So you're, you're kind of new to the position, right? You're not new to the church, right. but you're new to the position. In the position for about eight months uh, in the church for about 11, 12 years now. So, so been around for a while. Right. And you got family here. Both of y'all have family here, right? We do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've right. been a member for nine, and then I've been on staff for six. Gotcha. The uh, 
So in the course of you working with all the money, uh, I'm sure you've heard stories and, you know, ideas of, you know, I'm, and I'm doing the, cur- the, the quotey <laughs> things with my fingers like people can see that. Uh, you've heard all kinds of myths and legends and thoughts about, you know, where does this money go? So what are some of the better stories that you've heard? David is part of a Sunday school class called The Bridge. And The Bridge, I think, is one of our greatest success stories in terms of onboarding skeptics, disenfranchised, uh, people of other faith traditions. The Bridge is your landing place here at DBC where you can ask um, some really um, challenging questions, things you've heard, things you understood, things you disagree with, things that don't make sense to you. And that class is specifically equipped to answer, to respond in a non-threatening way, to um, provide an encouraging um, and Christ-centered view of what Christianity is and who Jesus was, that Sunday school class is really well equipped to deal with hard questions. And and because of that, I think some some truth comes out of those conversations that yes. people in other Sunday school classes wouldn't ask because for some reason you're not supposed to. Right. Do you know what I mean? And yep, so exactly. I, I love sitting in there sometimes because they ask what I call raw Christianity questions that having grown up in a little Baptist church, I just, I feel like I already knew the Sunday school answer, right? right. Like I wouldn't ask those questions. For example, I'm long lead up. We had somebody in David's Sunday school class ask what the pastor's commission was every Sunday on the tithe. Yep, and exactly. the question caught me absolutely flat-footed. I, and then the first thing, and then I wanted to laugh, but I didn't want to discourage somebody who's new to faith. And so I just sat there with that question, going, "Huh." The fact that he trusted us enough to ask the question, but secondly, that he had that question to start with: "What's the pastor's commission?" Right. So, David, why don't you tell us what the pastor's commission is? <laughs> the pastor's commission. So, um, we, it, it caused us to have a, a deeper conversation about some of the things we spend on, and we well, do. Wait, 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 hang on. Yeah. Answer the question, David. What is the, the pastor's commission? I will commission? not talk about the pastor. The pastor doesn't earn a commission. Now, well, isn't the that pa- the safe answer that exactly. we, were, the, we were looking for? The pastor does have a salary. All right. Well, <laughs> and, that's okay. Uh, as does the staff. But he and doesn't so, get a cut of the No, funds. no, there is not a percentage or anything like that. Sorry, we could start that one over, but yes. No, 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 that's part of this. Yeah, yeah. No, no, there is no commission. Um, and we'll talk, I think, a little bit later about the budgeting process and things like that. So, But it was, a, it was good. It was actually a surprise to that person and to some of the others in the class that that wasn't a thing. Um, so it, it, it gave us pause to say, wow, we this is a good topic to have a conversation about, to, to be perfectly transparent and open about where the money goes. Right, because I, when I remember you first telling me about this conversation, it took me by surprise, yeah. too, because I've, I've never grown up in a, in a church environment where that was even a consideration. It would never even cross my mind that somebody else had thought that that was a very real possibility. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. I can see why, because, I mean, I can go back to like the televangelist scandals of the 90s. And that seems to be about that time when all of a sudden people stopped looking at ministers and pastors with a certain amount of respect. I mean, they might not believe what you're saying, but they at least had a respect for the position. But it almost seems right about that time when all of a sudden you started seeing all these scandals on your TV and people just really started distancing themselves and questions like this started coming up. Uh, 
We live in an age where fewer and fewer people, I mean, they trust the church. And again, you can, in my mind, you can trace it back to that time. And there's, I believe there's this really strong unbiblical, unbiblical worldview that teaches that, that God just can't wait to bless us. You know, if we only give enough money to the church and to the pastor and to fund his jet or whatever it is at the time, that God's just sitting there waiting to just start throwing blessings uh, at us. It's kind of called the prosperity gospel, and it's kind of big out there, and I think it's tragic. Tell me, what is it that sets DBC apart from churches that teach such ideas? Here at DBC, we have a saying on the church staff. It's part of the, the staff culture. It comes from the senior pastor. He introduced it on day one, all things in the light. We will not do things here that we are not willing to talk to the congregation about and to explain to them because this is not our church. I mean, pastors come and go. The church is the local body, um, and it's the local uh, representative of Christ in the community. And, and the church is what's enduring. It's not the, t- it's not the, the staff that, that, that comes through different seasons of the church's life. And so we have a couple of things in place that I think are important um, that are designed to increase transparency, designed to um, invite uh, inspection. One is we publish a budget every year, and we take it to the church for a vote. Not everybody goes to the business meeting, but if you go to the church business meeting in September, you get a copy of the budget, and you can see what, uh, where every dollar is allocated in the church budget every year. Um, another thing we do is that pastors don't handle money here, and that's shocking to some people. Pastors don't take up collection. Pastors don't empty the uh, offering plates or the giving boxes. In fact, um, I had a, a congregant who was actually a little surprised with me one time when they attempted to hand me an envelope of cash that was their tithe for the, that Sunday. And I just very respectfully said, actually, pastors don't touch money. We don't touch it. We don't handle it. We, we don't have our hands in it because I think even the, the, the smell of impropriety damages the work that we do. And so money here is handled by a professional accounting team and supervised by an elected finance committee that oversees their work. For me, just as a non-minister, what I see, saw as a, as a member, or what I've seen as a member over the years, and now in this role even more so, this church teaches, I think, biblical, biblical teaching about money. The Bible talks about money quite a bit. Mm-hmm. This church sticks to the Bible on that. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but that's really important to me. It was an important reason why um, I, you know, I wanted to do this job, um, because I knew the leadership and, and the, um, the desire to stay close to, to biblical teaching. Didn't we just finish an audit process? I mean, what, what, what does that do? We do. We do. We have an annual audit, and, it, and it, it runs, our fiscal year runs from September, or sorry, October 1st to September 30th. Um, we, the auditors come in about uh, October and finish by December, typically. And we completed that audit in, in December of uh, 2021 for the 20. 2020 slash 2021 fiscal year. And we had a, a, a not an unqualified opinion. I mean, no, no issues, no control issues, which is important because they do look through our control environment and the segregate, segregation of duties and, and all of that. Also, I, what they call the entity level controls, which are the, the lead, what I'll say at the leadership level, what is the tone at the top? Um, and, and, and through, through all that. And we, we uh, passed with a clean audit, no audit adjustments or anything. And the people conducting the audience have, audits have no affiliation 
affiliation with the church. Correct. Smith and Howard is our audit team. They they're an audit firm that um, uh, that sorry not our audit team. They're our audit firm, and they are um, they're they're they specialize. A big part of their business specializes in nonprofits and churches. So they're well equipped to to for the the, the nuances of a church, which is a lot different than say you know a public or private company. And Gary, I would just add the results of that are open to the uh, yes. the congregation as well. How if would it, they access that? They, they can call me. They'd call the church yep. administrator, make an appointment, and yep. we will we'll walk through it. Provide them space in the conference room, copy of the budget, copy of the financial report, and copy of the audit opinion to any church member that wants to see it. Yeah. I see. All right. The uh, I know we recently came off one of several versions of Main Street. Uh, I came on board probably about. Man, it seems like it was a year and a half ago. It almost seems like there was never a time when I wasn't here. Uh, and it also seems like I just started yesterday. The But I came, when I came on board, I mean, there was all kinds of construction going on. I mean, whole yep. buildings had been pretty much raised to the ground or at least gutted from the inside out. And now here we are on the other side of that. What, about a year ago? Mm-hmm. Didn't we open this new space about a year ago? exactly a year ago yeah that's that's incredible to me uh and it is amazing space but what's even more amazing is is i I wasn't a part of you know the the money raising process i've gotten to hear about that on the back end of that and just and i get the impression that that in and of itself was something of a miraculous kind of feat because people they weren't they told or the church told yes you're not gonna be able to do this yes so what's the story there we met with a professional fundraising organization that, that helps churches organize capital campaigns, prepare for capital fundraising projects. And they came in, they met with us, they looked through our books, they uh, looked at the demographics of our community, and they said, you know, the DBC ought to be able to raise, oh, you know, no more than double your current budget, and, and probably more like one and a half times your current budget. So with a budget of, what, 3.6 or something. So they were they were projecting we would be able to raise somewhere between 4 and $5 million. Over what period of time? Four years. The church pledged about $10.5 million. And when the, when the dust settled uh, right around Christmas, of, just this past Christmas, I think the final receipt was, what, 11, a hair over 11? Mm-hmm. Right. A hair yeah. over $11 million in receipts. Right. And what was the time frame that that was collected? Over four years. Wow. That's just that's amazing to me. The uh, so what's next on the 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 project plan there? What's 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 Main Street stage whatever? What's it kind of shaping up to be? Yeah, we've got a few a few things on the, the docket. I mean, we've we've um, uh, we've just recently re-roofed uh, a good portion of the north part of the campus um, and and removed some um, some some uh, some vents that had been on the church for 50, 40 years. Well, let's um, clear up a rumor that I think you started. <laughs> we are not in that space that we have between the tiles and the the upper thing that got cut off. Right, we're not developing a staff retreat center no. with the full blown speaker, nothing, home theater, would nothing not, like that. Would not be a good idea. All right, probably just, not too. No, I just yeah. want to throw that out there. All right, so see, we were, so, we spend that money responsibly. Right, um, and we were working on um, a lot of uh, HVAC. Uh, we we what's we what I think I think one thing that was learned, and Alan can probably talk about this more when you put new structure over old infrastructure, um, some plumbing things happen, some HVAC, some things. So there was a few things to, to clean up and, and iron out after Main Street. We are, we're also looking to um, um, beef up a bit in the fitness center and also the, the uh, paving of the a good portion of the parking lot. But I'll, I'll let Alan kind of 
talk, I don't know if I was t- saying what yeah, you were you're, thinking. Uh, that's one of the things I was going to mention. You know, I, I was at a conference this summer. Actually, uh, David was there uh, with me. It was in uh, early September, but we went to the church facilities conference. <laughs> it was exciting. Just I mean, I'm to the jealous to the, just hearing you talk the, about it. To the extent that health insurance programs and uh, yeah. capital uh, fund management strategies are, are interesting. But one of the keynote speakers said something that I, I wrote in my notebook and I've written it over again uh, and been back to it several times. He said, three things will eat your lunch as a church leadership team. And they are deferred HVAC expenditures deferred parking lot expenditures and deferred uh, uh, roofs. Yeah. Now, what do you mean by deferred? Like something that you know needs attention, but you're neglecting to give it attention? Right. So we have 91 HVAC units on this campus. Wow. If you count the outdoor unit and the indoor air handler separately, if you count those as two, right, we have 91 units on the campus, which means if they have a 20-year life, Every year, you're doing about four or five new units. And what happened was we got, went through a little season here where nothing was broken and the budget was a little snug, and so we just didn't do them for about two or three years. But the problem is then when they all start to fail, now you got 15 units failing yep. in you theory. You for that all at once. You pay for it all at once. And so if you let your HVACs defer, if you defer maintenance on them, It'll catch up with you. And, and to that point, when we got back um, into the new Main Street space and got everything going again and reconnected all the power and, you know, hooked up all the lines, um, we had 11 units here on campus not start uh, at the end of the Main Street project. And well, so we did. That was exciting. So we did 11 of those in, in the span of a month, and it was horribly expensive. And so, what I, you know, what I learned from that is. You've got to schedule your maintenance, and you've got to set money aside, and you've got to you've got to deal with it on a schedule, or it piles up, and you can't catch up. All right. What about what else? What else uh, on your mind about where the money goes? Yeah, Gary. A couple things. I and mean, we talked about a couple of the controls and kind of um, pro- processes we have in place to make sure that we know where the money goes and it's going to you know where it's supposed to and all of that. A, a few other things I wanted to mention. First of all, Alan mentioned the finance staff. Um, you know, any successful venture, and especially in financial discipline, starts with the people. And I'd like to, you know, Melissa Hummel and Kathy Hicks are militant about the internal controls that we that we have implemented in the processes, um, and they're they they do an, an exceptional job. We have financial policies that that branch off of our our you know the church bylaws, and we we have policies and procedures that we follow. And then you get into the transactional controls. Um, you know, we we have a lot of we have receipts, we have expenditures. Uh, we have to segregate the different aspects of those processes and ensure that not no one person is doing everything in a process. And it's um, and so we've got a healthy segregation as proven by the audit. The checks and balances are there. We have approval levels for certain you know if things hit a certain threshold. We will get additional approvals as needed. Um, we have the finance committee, which Alan also mentioned, and that's a monthly meeting um, where we have oversight. We go through the details of the monthly financials with that committee, probably to a fault. Uh, we look at the the monthly kind of trends. We look at a, we look at our risks and our opportunities with expenditures to make sure that if we do have something that didn't was not budgeted, uh, that we have a way to find that money and support it, not to just you know go into reserves or anything like that. We don't do that. Um, 
We have, um, I think the, we actually have a, an expenditure list at the back of the financials, any expenditure over a thousand dollars, the finance committee reviews. And so we all, when we walk through that very, in a very disciplined way, if there's any questions, we talk about it. And that includes everything from a, you know, a small, you know, power bill to a, a massive roof payment. Um, it's anything. We have the annual audit. We also have a church conference where we get that budget approved, as Alan and mentioned. And I think it's important to know that on the facility side, we have a small team that gets together weekly uh, where we, we prioritize, plan, and, and then approve which projects to go forward. So the projects Alan was mentioning, yep. I think, are, are very important as capital infrastructure. Um, and so I, th- I just wanted to give a little flavor for some of the other things without getting into too much detail. Yeah. Well, I know one of the reasons we're able to have a podcast episode called Where Does the Money Go? is It's because, well, we have money coming in. So how, how, how do people, how can they give? Uh, um, so practically, um, you can come to the service on Sunday and, and, and obviously we have boxes outside. We don't, due to COVID, we don't pass a plate like we, like we used to, but we have um, uh, boxes outside of both services where people can, um, can uh, input their contributions. Mailing, you know, mailing a check, I wouldn't mail cash, mailing you know, a, a check into the church uh, is absolutely fine. We have a very easy way to give online. If you go to the DBC website, you can pretty quickly find online giving, go to a click and input your information. Um, and so, and I'll, and I'll say one thing about the way this church operates that I've been amazed by the, where we save a lot of money is we have excellent volunteers. And so you ask how you can give, well, those are the practical ways to give money. But I will say that our volunteers save this church so much money on an annual basis that would be required in salaries and, and other things. Um, it's incredible. So, um, well, I mean, wasn't there like a whole renovation of like the children's area done largely with volunteers? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was. It was during COVID, and we were trying to decide how to be stewards, um, even when we couldn't gather in person. And and you know, I'm looking at this maintenance crew that everything's clean everything's tidy everything's been put away and caught up and all the you know little projects that we, we we for two weeks we didn't have any cleaning to do and so we we put them to work on all the little task lists and when that was done we all looked at each other and went let's let's do a project let's keep people you know employed and engaged and and i think we made good use of the resources um during the first few weeks of covid yeah i remember i mean when i came on board i would have not had any indication that there was even any stresses in that regard. Now, mm-hmm. I come to find that out later just from casual conversation. Yeah, this is something that we wanted to do and that we were able to do. And yeah. so I, I, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing to me. Anything else? Alan, David? Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm reminded of Matthew 6 that um, giving is between you and God, and nobody here is going to check. Speaking very personally, this is not an official position of the church, but um, I like the fact that we're not passing the plate um, because I think that sometimes, not always, but sometimes people put something in the plate because they're cognizant that other people can see what they're up to. And I really like these discrete boxes uh, in the lobby of the, the chapel and worship center where somebody can just walk by, drop something in there, and it is entirely between them and God. Uh, you know, the text says, um, but, but when you give, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and that your giving might be in secret. And then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And it, I think there's a promise in Scripture that as we um, give of our time and talents to the work of God's church, 
um, that he sees and blesses that um, because of the faithfulness. Um, it's really easy to say, I'm giving to the church and I want my money to go to this. But I, I think the, the greatest reward is when you release the money without um, a concern about how it will be used, but just trusting that it will be used well. Um, I think God sees that. It's an act of worship. Uh, you, it is. It, you yeah. hand it off, say, God, thank you for this. I'm giving it back. And uh, from there, it, it's an act of worship. And, and I think there's something freeing about just being able to let that go. Very much so. Yeah. All right, David, anything else? Uh, um, from my perspective, it's, this, this church is unique in that you know, a lot of churches do have pledge cam- annual pledge campaigns. Now, we did a, a pledge campaign, which I think, for, for Main Street, for a large building project, which, which I think was prudent to make sure we were going to be in the ballpark and not have to go into debt, which, by the way, let's not, um, let's not ignore that. This church completed an $11 million building project and, and finished it with no debt. That's an amazing blessing from God. Um, and so... For me, you know, a church that we don't have the, the the annual pledge, it's it's you know this is a church that operates on on faith and I think obedience and and I think that's why we're seeing those blessings. As a finance guy, I'm I'm very quick to start analyzing risk and opportunities and all that, and um, but I've been my faith has been strengthened by just seeing what this church community has been able to accomplish and do, and I, and I know it's because of uh, God, and so we just need to keep keep in obedience and keep you know. Keep doing what we're doing and look for where God wants us to go next. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, unless you have anything else, Alan? Gary, thanks. This was fun. All right, we're going to close it out then. This has been Gary McIntyre with uh, Alan Tolliver and David Harris on an episode of Digital DBC, Where Does the Money Go? Tune in next time.